0: Chapter Fourteen, Part One, of *The Nightland* by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. *The Nightland*, Chapter Fourteen, on the Island, Part One. Now I came unto my senses and did be in pain and a great forgetfulness and bewilderment, and I strove that I rise but did be held by a strange force that did be surely my weakness as I to know afterward. And I was upon my back, and a little sound did be near me, as that something did pant, and I turned my head very slow, because that I did so lack of strength, and lo, I saw that the maid did be anigh to me, and did be yet naked, and did pant, and pushed hard and desperate with a great pole which did be surely that one which I had cut when that the humped man came upon us. And therewith I remembered all, and perceived that I did be upon the raft and the maid to push the raft along with the pole. And at that I made a little sound with my mouth, but the maid not to hear me, for she did look backward, as I should think to the shore. And her face did be very set and anxious and there to be a far noise of howling that I knew to be the voices of the humped men, and so to perceive that the mate had come unto her senses and had gat me somewise to the raft, whilst that I did yet be swooned, and thus to save me ere the humped men had come. But in verity how she did this thing I never to learn, neither she to know, but only that her love did give her a great and desperate strength that she save me that did be her man. And afterward mine own maid to tell me how that she had come into her senses, and did be there upon the earth, and somewhat did be upon her breast, and saw that it was my head which did be heavy upon her, and I to be surely gone out from this life, for I was so still. And she came from under me, and did ease me out upon the earth, and her heart nigh break, because that I was so be bled, and my blood to have stained all that did be near and when she had got me restful she saw that I did surely live, and a great hope to spring in her heart. And oft as she had eased me, she had looked about, and there did be naught to the sight, save the body of the humped man and I, and the others dead about and upon the flat-topped rock as you to mind. And she ran then very speedy to the raft, and brought water from the river in my headpiece, and she dashed the water upon me but I to have no power to come unto my senses. And lo, in that moment, she to know by some subtle telling of the spirit that there came some danger anigh, and she then to make that she save me, or that we die both of us together. And she strave with me, and did carry and draw me that wearyful way unto the raft. And she got me on to the raft, and she then for the pole that did be beside the rock. And whilst that she took the pole, she perceived her torn garments, that did be yet in the hands of the humped man, even as she had slipped them to escape him. And she caught the garments very hasty from the hand of the man, and ran then to the raft, and she pushed the raft out from the shore, and leapt aboard. And behold, as she made to use the pole, there came a sound out of the wood. And there ran from the wood the two humped men that did yet live and they to have tracked her, after that she did run from them, and they ran downward to the shore, very silent and intent upon her, but she to work with an utter despair and to have the raft a good way out ere they did become. And surely they either to have no power of swimming, or to know that there did be a dread in the water, for they made not to come after, but did stand and stare very stupid, and afterward to howl and this howling I did hear when that I was come to myself upon the raft as you do know. And by this telling you to be so wise as I, for more I know not, save odd things that I did learn afterward that did but set my love more wholly unto mine own maid, and these to have been but small matters of love-thoughts that we did have together, and scarce clear unto my remembering. And lo, even as I harked to the howling of the humped men the sound did grow more faint and far off, for the maid worked very desperate with the pole. And I did feel that I would help her, but yet was so alack, and surely, even as I did mean to rise, I was gone again utter from my senses, and that dear naked one did pilot me safe and loving unto the safe harboring of the little island that you do mind, and had no thought unto herself but only that she save me. And I to be there scarce offered from my death, and to have no knowing of aught, and no more power to help or to be a shield unto mine own, but did be only an helpless man that had surely died save for the care of my beloved. Yet did I fight a good fight, and have alway a great joy in the remembering. Now I mind nothing very clear after this for a great time, but only of pain and weariness, and of half-wakings and times when I did know not, and others when that I did be awake, yet did have no realness, either in myself or in any land or place, and all to come back strange and vague, yet with a constant knowing that there went love about me, and a great and gentle watchfulness so that I was eased when that the black mists of my weakness did uprise about me to swamp me, and I was made to know hope when that unknown despairs did live stealthy within me. And lo! there came a time when I waked and did be freed of uncertain burdenings and peculiar woes, and that still haze through which great achings did come constant upon me. And surely I was laid very nice upon somewhat that did be soft and there went a sweet quietness about me, and an healthful drowse did grow in my bones. And slowly I perceived that the maid did kneel beside me, and did look upon me with so great a love and gladness that it be as that I drank in health and a drowsy joy and peace. And surely she stooped and kissed me with an utter gentle love upon my mouth, and her tears to go sweet upon my face and truly I kissed her again with an utter content. And she took my head in the comfort of her arm and gave me somewhat that I drink, and when I had drunk she kissed me once again, so light as that a pretty wind did blow hushed upon my lips. And upon my head she made easy, and lo, I was gone over unto sleep even as she tended me. And thrice do I mind that this to happen and at the third time I knew that my strength was come something into me again, and I moved my hand a little this way and that, and she to know that I did need her to hold my hand, and she to do this, and I to go into sleep again, even while that I looked sleepy, yet with all my love, into her eyes. And when I waked for the fourth time I did whisper that I loved her, and surely she broke into a sudden weeping and did hold my hand very dear against her breast and when I waked for the fifth time I to know how things did be about me, and that I did lie naked in the cloak and did be all bandaged about my body, and the bandages, as I did know afterward, did be from the torn garments of the maid. And I looked at the maid and knew that she did be dressed again, and did be in the garments that I did give to her as you to mind, which did be that one and the inner that the humped man tore from her and which she had slipped that she escaped from the man. And afterward I found that she had made a very cunning mend of the garments, whilst that she did sit so utter long beside me to tend me, for she had gotten threads from her torn garments and had made needles from thorns that did grow on the little bushes of the island, and the thorns did break oft, and she then to have another, and so to persist an hundred times and this way she did be dressed very nice and dainty. And mine own maid perceived how that I looked with interest at her, and did mind very natural how that I last to have seen her, and she then to blush gently, and did kiss me that she have her pretty face something from mine eyes. And truly I to wish the more that I be strong, that I kneel in a glad reverence unto her, for this way did be my love, and ever so and you likewise that have truly loved. Now I did begin that I grew very steady unto my strength again, and mine own maid did tend me alway, and she gave me a broth of tablets and the water at set times, by the telling of my timepiece. And oft she washed me, and did change the bandages, and did wash and dry the bandages, that she used them over again, for we did be so lacking for such matters as you to know. And on the fifth day I was come utter to ease, and did be wondrous happy, and mine own to make pretty talk unto me, but had me to be alway quiet, because that I did be yet so weak. And on the sixth day I to be let answer mine own, and to say how great I did love her, the which mine eyes had said alway, while that I did lie in silence. And I to be assured by the maid that she did be in health and recovered. But, indeed, I saw that she was gone very thin, and that her eyes did be weary, even while that they had so great a love and a gladness to me. And I made mine own to bring her tablets by me, as she did alway, and when that I had kissed them, and she to have eaten drunk, I bade her to make me the broth ready. And when she had made the broth I asked that the discos be set anigh to me and afterward I bid her to my side, and had her to lie by me, and I took her pretty head upon mine arm, and told her that she to lie thus and to sleep, and to have no fear that she weary me, for that I to be but the more rested to have her so beside me. And she in the first to trouble that she be too heavy for mine arm, but truly I showed that my strength was something come back to me for I pressed her gentle unto me, and she then to nestle content, and to be gone into an utter sleep, and to have been in a sore need of the same. And own did sleep for twelve great hours, and had scarce any life in all that time, save when once she did make a little and gentle moaning, and did afterward set her pretty face more nigh to me in her sleep. And surely I had neither weariness nor lonesomeness, but did lie with an utter content, and did look downward upon the maid, where she did sleep in the hollow of mine arm, and truly she did be most wondrous lovely and dainty. And the goodness of her face did seem as that it had made an holiness about my heart, so that my spirit was uplift in a quiet and constant glory of love. And I drank a part of the broth at the third hour and at the sixth hour and at the ninth hour when that I finished it. And my right arm did be free to this purpose and to the discos, and surely I did twice and thrice set my hand upon that great weapon as to a true comrade, and in verity I could think the weapon did know and did love me. And this thinking to be because I did be so uplift as I have told yet truly the discos did be a strange and wondrous thing, and did be always thought to have an oneness with the man that did use it. And in the twelfth hour the maid awoke sudden and came upward out of mine arm all in a sweet haste, that she know that I did be well, and she did be eased wondrous when that she saw how I laughed with a quiet joy but to see her dear eyes and her pretty trouble. Yet did she be in reproach to herself when that she looked to find how the hours had passed. But, indeed, I did make a mocking sternness with her, and forbade that she even to say one little word more upon this matter, but to be glad that I did be so utter happy, and she likewise. And truly, when I had said this, that impudent maid did set her little fist against my nose, and to threaten me. And in verity I laughed so hearty that the maid did be in fear I should set my wounds again to bleed, and did reproach herself again, but in truth I came to no harm. And when that I could speak I asked the maid whether that there had been brothers to her, because that she did play so natural. And this I asked, not thinking, and lo, in a moment I perceived my thoughtlessness, but said not, save to take the hand of mine own, that she know utter that I did not be heartless. And she to nod very quiet, and afterward kissed my hand and slipped from me, and I knew that she was gone a little way off, lest she weep. And I did be in trouble for her and for mine alackness, but truly I could do naught, only that I called very gentle unto her and she to return soon, and did smile loving and cheerful upon me. But, indeed, I saw that she covered her weeping whilst that she made me new broth. Yet before I would take the broth I would have her to mine arms, and she to submit very glad and happy, but to keep her pretty weight from me lest she hurt my woundings. And afterward we both to eat and be happy in glad talk. And presently I did sleep, but would have her to be nigh to me even though she did be wakeful, and so we to be utter content together. Now the seventh day, as it might be called, was a wondrous happy time, and when I waked the maid did be sleeping as a child to my side, and her face nestled against me. And she to waken in a moment, for thus had she drowsed and watched through all the hours whilst that I had slept. And we then to eat and to drink together, after that mine own had made me easy with a gentle washing and care. And I now to be allowed that I have my tablets whole, and the water afterward, as when that I did be well, and this to please me, as you shall think, for I did ache, that I be strong very speedy, that I have power to guard mine own maid again, and to go forward with our journeying, that I have the maid unto the safeness of the mighty pyramid. And surely, now that I had my tablets whole, I to feel that I did grow near unto fitness again, and moreover they did satisfy my hunger the better than the broth. And the maid to give me my tablets oft, so that I eat a great many, and I did make her to count, and surely there did be sufficient, if that I get strong pretty quick. And so I made no refusing of the tablets, for I did need them, that I make blood again within me else should I be lacking when that there came any need anigh. And we kissed each of the tablets of the other, and did drink from the same cup, and did be utter happy, and did be part like children, but also to be man and maid. And presently the maid did shift my bandages, as alway, and washed me proper, and had me into comfort. But she did keep me alway very low-lying, and truly I scarce to mind, for I was not gotten enough of my strength to give me to feel irked. And further, as you shall think, there did be that lovely one with me alway, and did make sweet quips unto me, and talked and did laugh, and oft did come into singing, for she did be so sweetly joyed that I was in life and did mend so proper. And afterward she went off for me a little, to her toilet, but I to ask that she be so swift as might be, and she to promise very merry and she came back in a little while, and her hair to be in a lovely cloud about her shoulders, and her pretty feet yet to be bared from her bath, which she had in a pool beyond some bushes. And she to say that I did be so impatient a man, that she to be forced that she do the half of her dressing with me, but truly she came this wise only because she to know how I did delight in her thus, and to watch the way that she set up her abundance of hair and she to be hungry also that she be with me, and to love me that I watch her, even while that there did be oft a little and quaint stirring of shyness in her dear heart. And I had her to come beside me and to sit anigh to my hand, and I made presently that I did scold her, because that she had no proper care to her pretty feet, and I bid her to set her feet toward me that I looked the more close at them and she to be a pretty rogue, and did think I to mean to kiss them, and truly not to think all way wrong, but I then to have another planning. For I had plucked a hair very sly from her head, and she but to have said an O to me, and to have thought no more. But, indeed, when that she gave her feet to me, I held them so strong as I might, and I bound her pretty toes together with the hair, and surely she did be a captive unto me, and we to laugh as that we to be both children. And afterward she stole back her feet from me, but in verity I knew that she had a wondrous heed that she break not the hair that bound her, but did sit beside me bound in that pretty way, but yet to hide from me that she did not break the hair. And she then to do her hair upon her head very lovely, and afterward I put up my hands and took it down again and she then to kiss me and to ask how that she should ever have it proper upon her head if that I did always so tease her. And she then to take her hair and did set the abundance of it upon both sides of my face, and then to kiss me as I did look up at her from out of so much beauty. And afterward she cut a lock of my hair and a lock from her own dear head and she did plait the two locks together, so that our hair did blend and be together, and afterward she hid it in her bosom. But I did be then out of content, and would have done likewise, only that it did so weary me to uphold my hands, and she to cut a second lock from my head and a second tress of her own most lovely hair, and she made me to kiss the hair that did be from her, and she then to kiss the hair that did be from me and afterward she did plate them together and gave them to me. And I set the hair for that time under the great bandage that went over my heart. And truly, she did be then the one that lacked content, for she to say that the second plating did be kissed and the first to lack, but I to refuse to exchange, so that we made up a quarreling and did presently have to be kissed unto forgiveness. And truly, have you not likewise known such glad foolishness, when that you were in the love days?' And she then to make me to be quiet and to keep my hands downward from her hair, because that the uplifting did prove overmuch to me, and she took my great hands then and did threaten how dreadful she use me, if that I be not humble. And truly I said that I did be an humble man, and she then to hold my hands with but one small one. And surely her hand did be so small that she not able to hold me save by the thumbs. And she then with her free hand to cover mine eyes so that I might not see. And whilst that she did hold me thus so utter helpless, she to kiss me very dainty and impudent upon the mouth. And afterward she loosed me and did be demure. And we did be then silent a space and presently I put forth my hand, that did be very great, yet to be gone white and to tremble because that I did lack so utter of blood. And the maid to know what I did mean, and she clenched her hands into two fists, and set them both into my one hand, and surely they did be little fists. And I then to be happy, for this did be a wondrous pleasure alway unto me, and she to have her lids a little downward upon her eyes, and to be quietly happy. And truly how I mind it all so plain! And afterward I did plague her very gentle that she to be all alack, if that she did try to use her hands to aught, because that they did be so small. And she in a moment to have her two arms very dear about my neck, and did kiss me with an utter love and tenderness upon the mouth, and afterward went from me lest that she have me to overset myself. And I did then to make her to sit by me, and I did tell her a tale, how that a young man did once live in the olden days, and did meet with the one maid upon all the earth, and how that they loved and did be married, and she to die, and of the utter and desperate madness of grief that nigh destroyed the man, and how did he sudden to wake into the future of the world in a new time, and did come to learn that his own did also to live in that time and he then to make that he find her, and did truly come unto her, and how she did be different in her beauty, but yet to be utter lovely. And the man did hold an utter reverence to the maid that had been his wife in the olden dream-days, so that his reverence of love did live in him like a constant pain and anguish of sweetness and trouble, and of holy thoughts that did be bred of her lovely companionship, and of his memories. But in truth I got not farther in the tale than this, for my known did have come sudden into weeping, and had gotten to her knees, and had hold my hand against her breast, and had put her hand gentle upon my lips. And in a moment she to whisper somewhat through her tears, and there to be dear motherhood within her face, and a sudden shining of memory in her eyes that had been near dreadful, only that it did seem to be to her as that she were part dreaming. And the strange and solemn pain did come also unto me through the part open gateways of my memory. And I to remember very clear and with an anguish in that moment, and I told mine own how that the babe had gone onward, after that the beloved had died. And there did be then an utter quiet upon us and lo, sudden the maid did bend unto me, and I to take her into mine arms, out of the vague dreamings of her memory-dreams. But ere she did become outward entire from the haze of the past, she to try to set somewhat into words concerning this memory-vision of the babe, but some ways to be strangely dumb, and I did be silent likewise, because of all those things that did be between us for ever and for ever. And presently she kissed me and was herself again, and she went from me to attend unto our food. Now that did be truly a lovely day, for I to have got sufficient of strength that I did be able to have interest and talk with mine own maid, and she now to be well rest and to have ease in her dear heart concerning me. And surely we oft to laugh and did make jests utter glad and foolish. And, indeed, I do mind how that I asked mine own an olden puzzle, that did come out of the vagueness of my memory-dreams. And she to be like a person that doth hear a strange familiar thing, and lo, sudden she to say as that she gat knowledge from beyond eternity, that it did be when that he was a little horse. And you to know the jest, and to have troubled it oft at school but in verity it did be a strange thing to have from our memories out of all the deep of time. And we, in truth, never in that age to have seen or to have known that ever there did be an horse, or to mind the likeness of one, and this to be but a little matter, yet of strange and peculiar interest, as you to agree. And indeed we did both to look one at the other, when that we had ended, and did wonder what an horse did be yet in the same time did have a vague inward knowing. And so we to look ever backward through dim ages, and surely we got presently from jests unto solemnness, and the maid to be nigh again unto tears. And in truth I then to bring our thoughts and our speech forward from the abyss of the years, and did cease from memory-dreaming for that time, and so to have the maid again in joy, yet mayhap something wistful odd whiles and presently I to tell the maid an hundred thousand things concerning the mighty pyramid of which I had so oft said somewhat, but never to have got so great a chance as this unto a plenty of time and so nice and oneness in the way that our minds did go. And surely the maid did be eager in a moment and did be hushed, and again to ask constant concerning all matters. And in verity there went a great while this way, and the maid to have an utter wonder and excitement of all that I to tell, for truly it did be as that a man of this age should come downward from a great star in the heavens, and to tell of wonders and new things, and you to understand how she did feel. And of all the things that did most have a happiness unto the maid, I to perceive that the great life and humanness of the millions to dwell within her imaginings as a cloud of warmth and quiet joy, for I did show this thing to her so well as I was able, and in truth you shall tell me in honesty whether that I have made the same likewise clear seen unto you. And she, as you shall mind, did be a maid that had grown all her life in a refuge that did be shaken with hauntings, because that it lacked the power of the earth-current to protect and with a people that did be weak conceived through great thousands of years, and where love did bloom something faded even in youth, and youth to have a lack of the life-blood of an utter joy, such as did be ours and likewise to many that did be of the mighty pyramid. Though truly there did go millions then as now that did never know love, though the name did be in their mouths and they to have belief that the sweet kernel did be in their hearts, but in verity, this to be love that your life shall bound you with abundance, and joy dwell round you, and your spirit to live in a natural holiness with the beloved, and your bodies to be a sweet and natural delight that shall never be lost of a lovely mystery that doth hold a perfect peace each unto the need of the other, and all to be that there go round about you a wonder and a splendor all the days and the nights that you shall be, the man with the woman. The woman with the man, and shame to be unborn, and all things to go natural and wholesome out of an utter greatness of understanding, and the man to be an hero and a child before the woman, and the woman to be an holy light of the Spirit, and an utter companion, and in the same time a glad possession unto the man. And lo, if one to die, then the soul of the other shall fail, and that one never to have full life again in that bitter parting and this doth be the true human love, and all else that be not like to this with the man and with the woman doth be but a borrowing of the name of love for that quiet desiring, which is but an endurance beside love, which doth be between they that be not mated both in their souls and in their bodies. And this telling to take no heed to those base joinings that be made for purposes of wealth or desire or other piteous ends. For, in verity, these to have no more dealings with the thing that I do tell upon than hath the merchanting of goods, or the need of a glutton. But the thing that I do have upon my heart doth be that dear and uplifting power of love, which I to set forth in this mine own story, for in truth I to have known love, and to need death when that I be parted from mine own. Now surely mine own did come twice and thrice unto weeping, as I did tell of this thing and that, which did set her memory backward unto the ways of the lesser redoubt. And presently I did cease from my tellings, because that she did so be gone into pain of her memories. But indeed she then to beg me that I go forward again, for truly she to need in the heart that she know, and to strive to be no more in grief for the telling. And I then to say on, and did tell upon the might and wonder of the great olden delight of the underground fields, that were below the great redoubt as you do know. And I told how that they went downward an hundred strange miles, that did be dug of the labor of millions and of the years of eternity. And I set out unto mine own concerning that there did be wondrous villages spread through that great and hidden country that did be in the underground and how that great millions of the peoples did live there, and made a constant labor in those deep lands and countries that did be truly so monstrous in all as an huge continent. And I showed mine own how that there did be wondrous processes that did be learned in the ages, and how that water did be made in chemistry, and truly she to nod to this because that she did mind upon the powder that we did use. But truly the powder to have to be made in the first as you shall think and we but to advantage ourselves of that which did result, and I to speak to her of the making of the powder, rather than of the way that it afterward to make chemistry with the air unto water. And I told the maid how that there did be mighty underground pipes that went across the night land, and did be, mayhap, oft so much as twenty great miles deep in the world, and had come upward into the seas of the land and all to have been made secret and hid from the monsters of the land, as I to know from much readings of the histories. And my known then to tell me that they did lack to have any such great wonders below the lesser redoubt, but that there did be utter monstrous caverns, where that there had been alway a strange and uncouth country of husbandry, and lit from the earth-current, and they also there to bury their dead and all had been alack through great thousands of years, as she did know of their records, and had grown dim-lit and lonesome, and a land of deepness to starve the spirit with an utter strangeness and discomfort, where that the men went quietly as ghosts through many ages, and all a place in dire want of sound and laughter. End of chapter 14, part 1